Hi, I'm Lauren. And I'm Scott. And we're the Reedies. That's right. Reedy spelled ready. It's a pun. One I've heard my entire life. So much so that we've decided to make it a thing. Ready Ready or or not. not. On this podcast, we've already shared our journey about becoming adoptive parents while owning and growing a business together. And now we're back with more about all of it. This season, though, you'll hear mostly about business and life with a little bit about parenting our toddler. And as always, you can bet we're ready or not. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Ready or Not Season 4, Episode 2 about saboteurs and EQ. Ooh, EQ or PQ or whatever you want to call it. It's emotional intelligence. That's what we're talking about today. What the heck does that mean and how does it translate? Well, what we're going to talk about is, of course, somebody else's idea that has been game-changing for us in our marriage Mm -hmm. and our business, and we think it might help you too, which is why we're sharing it. Yeah, so several months ago, Lauren came home from a coaching session with her business coach, and he asked her to take this test and get a measure of her EQ, which is emotional intelligence, as we mentioned. Uh, And he recommended the book associated with this test that's called Positive Intelligence by Shirzad Shamin. And it was a game changer. I'm still getting through the book, quite honestly, because there's a lot there. But in short, I took a quiz that helped me figure out where I was at on positive thoughts in my head, which I was 50-50 when I took that quiz, um, which is interesting because I'm an eternal optimist. Um, But it also helped me figure out my sabotage thoughts, my saboteuring thoughts, and how they prevent me from reaching my fullest potential, which is kind of a big deal. All right. Well, without saying too much more, let's get into it. How about that new music? I'm over here dancing. (laughs) Okay, so here's an excerpt from the email that I got right after the test. It says, "The uh, The saboteur assessment based on research that is presented in his New York Times bestselling book, we just talked about positive intelligence, your mind can be your best friend, but it can also be your worst enemy involved in self-sabotage. Your self-sabotage is caused by what he calls saboteurs in our mind. These are internal enemies. They, they set automatic habits in our mind and give us a voice that we then believe. There are 10 total saboteurs. We have all of them, but there are some major ones that come forward for each of us differently. They're formed at an early age in our childhood. In fact, a lot of these can go back to maybe a time or one specific story where we remember and then keep that with us forever, physically and emotionally, all kinds of things related to it, but they greatly limit our potential as adults. And what we've discovered um, after, you know, being equipped with this wonderful knowledge is that once you know what they are, you can grab them and push them out of the way. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing uh, for me when Lauren came up with this, I was like another, like there's lots of these personality tests and they have varying degrees of whatever, but this one in particular gave us um, focus a little bit more on the negative things that we tell ourselves and sort of gave us a common language to talk about and identify what these things were so that we could sort of recognize them in each other. And it also come, kind of comes into that communication piece between me and Lauren is we could, you know, these saboteurs definitely have an impact on our significant other and the others that we work with and all that stuff. And so by being able to name them to each other and recognize and have had the previous conversation about how these and why these came into our lives, I think it really makes a, uh, it really improves our communication. 
Yeah, I think it's kind of fun <laughs> if you ever watch Scott and I have like a fight or hear us, I should say. We don't fight often, but when we do, uh, it's uh, this has helped us. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, quit being, uh, I'm not going to say what you are, but I tell yeah. you to stop being that. Or if I'm having a, a moment of um, uh, imposter syndrome, you you call out my saboteurs. So it's really great. So I'm going to list them first yep. so that everybody can hear them. And then we'll talk about what our top four were um, and how those impact each other. So it goes like this. There's the controller. And these names are pretty self-explanatory. There's the controller, the hyperachiever, hyper-rational, hyper-vigilant, avoider, pleaser, restless, stickler, victim, and judge. I'm sure if you were listening to those, I'm going to do it one more time just so you mm-hmm. can hear them again. You probably can recognize some of these in yourself, but I highly recommend the test that I'm going to put the link in in this description so that, that you all can take the test. But here they are one more time, and I'm sure some come forward, and I'm sure some you're denying. Controller, hyperachiever, hyperrational, hypervigilant, avoider, pleaser, restless, stickler, victim, and judge. All right. Scott Reedy. I want to know about your first one because you scored super high on your first I one. Did. And this I'm over was, here just laughing. This was far and away. And Lauren was like, of course, I could have pegged that for you. And so my most one is hyper-rational. And so the description on this is... <laughs> Sorry for laughing. Intense and exclusive focus on the rational processing of everything, including relationships. Yep. Can be perceived as cold, distant, intellectually arrogant, intimidates less analytically intense people. And so for obvious reasons, I do have a known tendency. And we've, we talked about this even before this test, but this put a very specific name on it. Uh, I do have, when I am in, uh, you know, flight mode or, you know, panic mode of trying to figure something out, I regress to rational. And it's like, this is what the numbers say we should do. This is what the logic says we should do. And Lauren is like, I am a person. <laughs> and you need to treat me as such. And you need to acknowledge them. <laughs> yeah. I, one of the things um, that I figured out about this, so we did this before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, like in October of 2019 is the first time this sort of landed in our laps. And then um, w- the first time I really re- was reminded that you're hyper... Um, uh, rational. A- rational. I always want to say analytical. Hyper rational is at the beginning of the pandemic when like stuff was going down in Europe, Right. And everyone was scared. I came home one day and I was like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And you were like super rational about it. And you were like, I was like, we're going to wear masks. We'll wash everything we get at home in the grocery store because we were doing that. We like won't breathe on anyone. We will just yeah. like, and I was like, if we follow the procedures, we will not get COVID. And I was like, okay, well, people are dying everywhere and hospitals are overflowing in Italy and they're running out of like, what are we going to do? So, um, and my hyper rational was like taking the emotion. I think the biggest thing that I learned from that was that Lauren was having some anxiety about these, these things of like, I remember there was a story like you went to the store one time and you, you like went for three things. For milk. You went for milk and like Eggs, whatever. And the basics. And you came home with came a whole home bunch of stuff. wine and, and cheese and not milk. And, and, not the milk. and you just said that I just felt so anxious in there. Yeah. Which and is something I've discovered in the pandemic. I have anxiety. I didn't know I had, which is a whole other episode, but I think this this piece that that really gets me about you because I'm not this at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I am this because we all, we all have all ten of them. But yeah. this is rarely my fault, like mm-hmm. my problem. I'm rarely held back because I'm hyper rational. 
Um, but the cold, distant, and intellectually arrogant piece of that just mm-hmm. really stuck out to me because I joke that I, I need to hear you say you love me and I need you to like acknowledge my presence. And it's, it goes back to that love language. It, it yeah. It's like words. Lauren is very words of affirmation. Yeah. And so like this is one of the things that we struggle with because my way is like this is all great. It's all working. It's according to the plan. <laughs> you sound just like my keep, father who's like keep, you met my expectations by getting keep an, following uh, you the know. plan. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. I also but think w- to go into a little bit more of why I think it's a limiting because people will be like well that's a good way to approach it which I mean, there are definite, and that's all of these things. They They're have all advantages, which is why we've like leaned on them because they've served us well. They're in the also things. strengths for us. Yeah. yeah, they're also strengths. And like, but my like procedural mind helps me do a lot of things. But the process, as we talked about in last episode, because yeah. you're hyper rational, right? We figured that stuff out. And so, like early on in the pandemic, when we had Max, you know, they closed the Max's daycare and we couldn't do it. It was like I sort of took a formulaic approach to our day, which doesn't really work well with a toddler. Or a wife like me. Or a wife. But, you know, it was like, you know, I will have him from this time to this time. Then I'll hand him off to you. Then he will take a nap. Then he will do this. Then we're done working. Then it's time for dinner. And it's like, and rinse and repeat. And you're also routine based. I am very routine. And so the thing to think about as we say all of these is how these negatively, in fact, impact ourselves. And I think what they do for you sometimes is make it so that you can't find a creative solution Mm -hmm. because you're so hyper rational that you've only looked at the number or you've only looked at like, You've already made here's up your the, mind. Here's the process. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, that's not, you know, creative or that's not the process. That's just mm-hmm. what you've rationalized. Yep. Um, and it can also, uh, it makes you seem intimidating sometimes, which is fine, but that's, that's a piece of it that it's like, no one has ever described me as intimidating. I know, in but life. they would, <laughs> they wouldn't say that, but you're, they're like, Oh, Scott's yeah. smart. I don't want to, well, I, I think I, about yeah. my sister always saying when you're like, yeah. that's actually a good idea. And she was like really intimidated by you. Well, that, yeah. Well, that was something that happened. I mean, it's like a decade ago now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is I, she lived with us for a little while and um, I, like I, apparently I kept saying like, that's actually a good idea. And I wasn't intending that to be it's like, you, were you high- actually have a good idea because all your <laughs> ideas are bad, but that's how it was being received. Yeah. And that's part of it was like, you know, it was like, it's like, that's a really good idea. And that's what I should have said and not inserted the word actually. Which yeah. I'm sure the English majors in the room would be like, you can probably leave actually out of every sentence you use. But, you know. <laughs> there you go. Being hyper, hyper rational, Miss Tarini. You're like doing it in person. I know. So on I want to, because, um, because of my first one, I want to move on to the next one. Yeah. My first one is restless. <laughs> and um, restless is defined um, by constantly in search of greater excitement in the next activity or constant busyness. Rarely at peace or content with the current activity. <laughs> I literally just did that right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't surprised by this at all. I, I scored a 6.9, almost 7 on this. Um, everybody who knows me knows this to be true about me. It's a blessing in my abilities to be able to move quickly from thing to thing and to think quickly on my feet. It's why I was in news. I think I this is a piece of my news life that carried over but also is why i was good at it mm-hmm. um I, I think a lot of people that know it's our families comment that we just like go and do quickly and a lot and try to always are doing things which has a lot of good things but i mean we're recording podcast episode number two in our spare bedroom after max is asleep after on a, a week of, on a sunday night after me being gone for a week and a snowstorm the week before so yeah i mean this fits this fits the tune totally um but it's the it's the impact on others that really got me on this. I, I certainly have to check myself before I wreck myself um, about when I'm going to make a decision or something feels big. I think 
okay, am I making this because I'm restless or am I making this because it's good? Because the restless piece of that moving from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing means that you might not be as engaged or as deep or as um, committed to things, which is you probably hear that in some of my goal setting (laughs) and how I can like move quickly to a new goal because I'm like restless about the goal. But how this impacts others is others have a difficult time keeping up with the frenzy and chaos brought to the world by my restlessness and they're unable to, to build sustainability around it. And so that can be confusing for my team Mm -hmm. when I come in with a new idea every Tuesday and they're like, wait, I thought we were doing this. Um, And so I have to really watch myself and then just kind of slow down and be like, okay, my instinct is to go to say, yes, my instinct is to do this. My instinct is to figure out how to solve it. That's not everybody's instinct, and that can also be detrimental to other people. Well, and I think how it plays in sort of in our marriage way is, you know, when Lauren always wants to be out doing, and I'm up for a lot most of the time, but sometimes I do need to be like, no, I just need a day. We need to chill. I mean, before the pandemic. (laughs) Right. But yeah, for sure. But then it's also, you know, Lauren can drive herself beyond what she's physically capable of doing and get overwhelmed because that instinct is to go. And like in that anxiety, she feels like, oh, I should go do something. And it's like, you just need to chill for a minute. Take yeah. a deep breath. Like, let's take a night and just yep. relax. Well, and I'm going to go ahead and talk about my number two because it was tied for my number one. And then I'll ask you to talk about your number two. Yeah. So my number two, I was a little defensive about because <laughs> um, I didn't really think this was true. But it, my number two is controller. And then I thought about it because that's what you do when you... Your instinct is what you've been trained to do. And and then your second thought is what's probably true. My instinct was like, excuse me, but here's the definition of controller. Anxiety-based need to take charge (laughs) and control situations and people's actions to one's will. High anxiety and impatience that is not possible. When that is not possible. When that is not possible. So, yeah, I I mean, I, I just told you about some newfound anxiety in the pandemic Mm -hmm. directly tied to my lack of control. Um, so this is, this was something that was, uh, eye opening for me to, to read about because I was in denial slash I'm like, I don't need to be totally in control of everything. I'm not a control freak. (laughs) And I was like, but you kind of are Lauren. And the reason why is because you have anxiety. And so what you do is you try to take control of things when others are perfectly capable of doing so. And that's how the, this piece about how it hurts or, you know, impacts others is controllers also generate a great deal of anxiety around work and life and ultimately things they can't control. Mm-hmm. I know I do that with my team well, and my husband. Well, and this <laughs> wasn't in our plan, but I just thought of it. So we're going to go with it. All right. Um, when we were setting up our live streaming services for, and I think you probably know where I'm going with this. Yes, now. I do. Um, when we were setting that up, there were suddenly a thousand technologies that were out and I was trying to figure out a plan over analyzing hyper. I was being hyper rational, overly mm-hmm. analytical, all those things. But I was trying to figure out like if, you know, cause we had however many clients, six to eight clients come to us and they all had different needs. And I was like, how do we fill each of these needs? And I was looking at everything, checking every option, looking at every box. And even when we had a plan, I would still continue to go look at other ones. And Lauren is like, what is the finished product here? <laughs> I need a finished product. And I was like, in my mind, there never is a finished product. It's like, <laughs> if you need me to decide to, and this was, but this was a conversation we had yeah, of like we my approach to systems building and process building is it can always be improved. If you want an answer today, I, I can give you an answer today. 
but I'm not going to say this is the final answer forever. I'm going to say this is the answer today. Mm-hmm. And this is what we'll, and if we need to like set something in stone for a client and for a project, we'll say this is what it is. But yeah. by the time the next pro- client comes around, I might have a different plan because, you know, step C in this whole thing didn't work as well as I wanted it to. And I found a better solution. Yeah. It's funny because we, t- we talked about why we were gone for so much time in our last season. And that was the beginning of why we stopped recording podcasts because mm-hmm. we were in the thick of recognizing our saboteurs and you were in the thick of we were trying something to, I couldn't control. I mean, I'm looking at the wall over here. <laughs> I know, here. I was just looking at the wall too. The it's wall behind Lauren has all these post-it notes of us trying to d- design this whole service with all of these different like yeah. ideas and platforms and things that we use to build this thing out. Um, so, and I want to go back to this is a saboteur most of the time for me, but also is is why I'm where I'm at and how I'm able to, um, you know, be good at the things I am good at. And so there, you have to recognize these not as, cause we did this exercise with our team and like, there was lots of head nodding and lots of like, but people were taking it. So they were doing what saboteurs are supposed to do and they were taking it very negatively. Mm-hmm. And I, once I came to terms with the fact that restless and controller were my top two and they were tied, I was like, okay, how dare you? But also you're right. Mm-hmm. And now I need to rec- recognize that. And if I get restless or I, I feel myself wanting to interject in a project that I should just not touch because they got it or you got it or any of that, I, I just, I check and I take a beat. I take a pause and sometimes I still chime in. But what about your number two, Scott? I think this so one's very interesting. This one I think goes a little bit more on the, like very obvious, like the other ones I think can go both ways, but I think this one is very much a negative and it's avoider. And the definition is focusing on the positive and pleasant in an extreme way, avoiding difficult, and this is the real part, avoiding difficult and unpleasant tasks and conflicts. <laughs> you know, this is my number three. So yeah. this is a this is a problem for both of us. We enable this in each other. Yeah. Well, and some of this comes to like procrastination and things like that of like when something is something I don't want to do, I avoid it. A right. conversation I don't want to have, I tend to avoid it. Um, and as I said, what is avoided does not go away. It just festers. <laughs> relationships are kept through super, superficial art relationships remain superficial because of conflict avoidance. Other stress levels reduce as they are not sure when negative information is being withheld. Yeah. And so it's just, um, and to me where this manifests most is, you know, those limiting times of like, there are goals that I have and things that I want to do that are like, oh, but the first three steps of that are really a pain. And I just want to avoid doing them. Yeah. Like when I used to nag you for, to write down your goals. Yeah. That's exactly. And you'd be like, oh, I was avoiding goal setting to avoid goals. Write down (laughs) your goals. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny that I'm an avoider. I'm an avoider differently than you. Mm -hmm. I avoid conflict with people. Mm -hmm. You avoid, um, like you just said, like conflict with yourself. <laughs> well, it, it kind of, to and me, sometimes it, with others, to me, it kind of manifests in a procrastination type of way. It's like, yeah. I have this pain, painful thing to do that I don't want to do. So I just kind of avoid doing it or dealing with it yeah. or whatever until it absolutely has to be dealt with. And then you're kind of in that rush. Yeah. This one was a reality. I knew was true when I saw it. I was like, yep, I'm, a, I'm an avoider. Like mm-hmm. I want everyone to like me. That's one of my, another personality tests. I'm an Enneagram seven and I want people to like me. So mm-hmm. I'm constantly over analyzing whether or not I should say something, do something, be something. So I just avoid it because I don't want to be unliked. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Okay. What about your number three, since I just gave my number three? My number three is hyper achiever. 
and hyperachiever, if I can scroll in my big long list here, um, is <laughs> dependent on constant performance and achievement for self-respect and self-validation. Highly focused on external success, leading to unsustainable workaholic tendencies and loss of touch with deeper emotional and relationship needs. <laughs> Sorry for laughing. This is also one of my top five. But. Yeah. Um, well, and, and this one is kind of back to that, like, you know, that quest for achievement is helpful in a lot of ways, but it also is like to that detriment. Um, I think this is like, I'm a constant looking for new things to new projects to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which I love that about you. Right. Which is great. But it just, you know, some of these nights where this impacts others is how we're trying to focus on this is like, my need to go do that is like when I get really deep into the analytic of building out our live stream system or, or tax law or taxes <laughs> or those things that I'm working on to our Omaha listeners. Yeah. Tax law Yeah, to our tax law to our Omaha people. Um, but when I get really into that, it's hard for me to turn that off. Yeah. When I get up from the computer, you know, I'm still thinking about it. And so there are days when I get really deep into that stuff. And this year has been especially, you know, bad with all that stuff of getting really deep in the weeds to try to like back myself off so I can be present to the family. It's so funny because that your hyper rational comes out in that. Mm-hmm. It is. And, yeah, they're, and they're my restlessness together. comes out in this. So mm-hmm. I'm also a hyper achiever. That's my fifth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think this one's interesting for me because um, I've always been focused on the goal. And I usually like once I achieve the goal, I'm less satisfied than I expected. Um, and that's in part because I've decided and determined that I like the process to get to the goal, not the achievement of the goal. And I'm often like, okay, what's next? Which is restless, but mm-hmm. it's also, okay, that's what, I mean, that's what hyperachiever is. You're constantly sort of looking for self-validation. What's your next thing? How can you get higher and be better and all those things? Um, and I think that it's easy to get really lost up, lost in that of constantly wanting more and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. It's the hustle culture. It's the... sure. Um, I saw really been challenged in the COVID year. Oh, it has. I've had so many conversations with career oriented women like myself who've been like, okay, nothing went as planned and I'm reassessing everything. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a meme that was going around. I I know that the author Adam Grant shared it. I I forget who did it, but it was like what I used to define myself what, and it was a circle and it just went down the middle. One side was title and one side was, um, pay. Job title and pay is how I used to define myself. And then the bottom was how I need to define myself. And job title and pay were like tiny little slivers Mm. in the pie. And it was like um, mental health and self-care and fulfillment and like all these other things we certainly talk about. Mm -hmm. But being a hyper achiever, it's easy to get caught up in the top one. Yeah. Well, and I think to go down to my next one, which is actually one of yours, controller that we've already kind of talked about. But the way that that manifests sort of for me um, and this goes to another conversation we had about triggers, um, which is a whole nother thing. I feel like we're we're coming lot. up with podcasts quite yeah. a bit here. Um, <laughs> it's talking about triggers because triggers are like things that like really like set you off or get like, and one of and my thing is like trust. Mm-hmm. And that goes into controller of like, when I go out to build these systems or set up these processes, it's like, I want you, I need people to trust that I can do it. It's like, if you tell me to get it done, I'll get it done. Trust. And if you don't, you're like checking up on me. I'm like, I work, I mean, my, my main work is very, like, I don't have somebody looking over my shoulder all the time. It's like, here's your job, get all your things done. Like, no big deal. Results oriented type of stuff. Um, and so I don't like that constant, like, look over my shoulder. Yeah. Are you doing it? Oh, hey, you forgot that. You, you forgot to dot that I and cross that T. And I was like, in my process, 
I dot the I's across the T's <laughs> at the end. I know. So I do that. Trust too. I that, that I have a process. All the time. <laughs> I do that to you all you know, the time. But that's just but that's how I'm it a comes controller out. too. So I kind of lean on when I go into these process oriented things and the things that I'm building. Like I'm very collaborative and I, I'm cool with that. But on something that's like Scott, go own this. I'm like, okay, I'm going to own it, but then I'm going to do it my way. Right. And those things can be limiting. So we've covered some of the crossovers. So you've already done your top ones. But the one that I haven't talked about, um, <laughs> you got to tell the story about my reaction to this because uh, it, my fourth one is victim. And my first response when I saw that was, ah, I am not a victim. <laughs> and I believe you looked at me and said, really? I don't know what you're I remember it very clearly. Okay. Um, um, maybe you don't because you're blocking it out. But it says... Emotional and temporal as a way to Tem- gain temperamental. temperamental, emotional and temperamental as a way to gain attention and affection, an extreme focus on internal feelings, particularly painful ones, martyr streak. And I was really offended that this was one of mine, <laughs> which <laughs> is exactly what victim is saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, and I think that's part of it is so Laura has a tendency to take some things, especially by email too personally. Uh-huh. Which is hard because yeah. tone, as many as everybody knows, tone is hard to interpret. Although sometimes it's very obvious and it's still offensive. <laughs> and like, and like, yes, it is offensive, and they wrote it that way. But you can't react in that way. I and know. So Lauren is, is I'm very much. This is a thing that, and and so then she I spend, much ju- just gets very wound up about it. Yeah, and, and then I spend way too much time, yeah, and, and then the success of my day goes out the window because I spent too much time about one sentence in one email that I became a victim of. Yeah. Instead of that didn't matter in the grand scheme of even the day or the hour. Yeah. But it just sort of takes over your thoughts and, you know. Well, and then what, what it's how this one impacts others is, uh, which I think this probably is felt often by people around me is others feel frustrated or helpless or guilty um, that they can't put more of a temporary bandaid on your pain. Mm -hmm. And that sounds dramatic, (laughs) but I think when I, when I see an email and see the tone as victim, then I have to like run it past you and run it past Leah Beth and like, run it past someone else to be like, am I reading this wrong? And either you validate it or you're like, stop it, move on. But whatever it is, like I think too much about it. And then the whole point of these saboteurs are that they take over your potential to be your best. Right. Well, and I think the biggest thing with that one is not only does that tone that or that tone or that email or that whatever, that phone call, whatever it happens to be, take over the rest of your day. But then when we talk about it. I take on some of your emotional pain. Right. When we talk about the staff, they take it on too because they want to defend you most of the time. And, you know, and they're yeah. like, or they're thinking about how do we fix this? How do we work out of it? And so not only are you like wrecking your productivity, but it's wrecking everybody else's productivity too. Mm-hmm. And we all do these. I have this, some of these too where I'm like, this isn't how this was supposed to be set up. It's supposed to be different. And we go on and on and on, you know. Yeah. And, but I think that's the biggest thing is the effect on others is like, we kind of destroy everyone else's productivity around us too. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think everyone should read this. I think everyone Mm -hmm. should take this test. I think everyone should take these and use them as tools. Don't use them as crutches. And that's the difference. Mm -hmm. When we ran this past our team, everybody participated. I found that there, the, the instinct was to share the, the problem as a crutch. Like, well, I have to be in control or I, that's a huge problem of mine. Yeah, and, I'm, and I'm just, a controller, so I must be in control. So I must and be it's in control. Like, no, you need to learn how to operate when yeah. you're not in control or do things that help you feel like you're in control. Right. Um, or find ways when you're starting to lose control, how do you get it back? That's one of the things we focused on is like in meetings or projects that get off the rails, how do you like reestablish? How do you reel it back in? Re- reestablish the relationship, reestablish yeah. the, you know, what the project's supposed to be, the goals, all that stuff. And once you understand what the, what each of these mean and how they impact you, mm-hmm. 
then you can recognize them in moments of vulnerability or moments where you are about to either take it to the next level or stop dead in your tracks. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think I've been able to do in my career. I've also been able to do it in our marriage because I feel like I know, okay, I'm being a victim right now because Scott's being hyper analytical or hyper rational. rational. Um, how can we both best mm-hmm. come out of those because we want to be our best for each other? Yeah. Okay. Well, well I'm not going to take it personally that you were so factual mm-hmm. and I'm going to point out that you were so factual so that you can remember, you know, and it, it, well, it's that, like, that, that's oh, what I was gonna oh, say. oh, knock myself on and, the head. And I kind of, I kind of mentioned it off the top, but it kind of gave us a common language of like when I'm being hyper rational, Lauren can say, you're being a little, I'm feeling like you're a little hyper-rational. And that way it's not like you're not feeling my feelings. You're not doing like, it's not coming up with these other things that can sometimes, because we all say dumb things, be insulting or whatever to each other and escalate. It's more of a de-escalator of like, hey, I feel like you're being a little hyper-rational or I feel like, like this is a little victim. Like, is this real? And then you know, someone's like, no, this is legit. I was yeah. very wronged in this. And it's like, okay, then let's talk about that. Right. But it's How like, do we solve this problem once we both, we've gathered we that? We both can say that word and we sort of can check and be like, oh yeah, I'm being that way. Let me back this up a little bit. Well, and I think the the real takeaways here are read more about this, dive in more to how it could impact your life um, and recognize it's a tool to grow. It's, a, it's an opportunity to see places in the way you think, because the things that you think are what you tell yourself mm-hmm. and directly impact the successes in your life. And if you're continuing to let your saboteurs take over imposter syndrome, syndrome full steam ahead. And they're stealing energy from your day. Stealing energy from your day, from your goals, from your dreams, and from you being your best self, which is yep. the whole point of this. So the book is Positive Intelligence by Shirzad Shamin. And check the description below for the test. And let us know what you're thinking. We'll gladly talk about it some more. Yeah, I love discussing saboteurs. And let us know what kind of topics you'd like to hear from us. This is season four. We want to focus a little more on some more in-depth things. And we'd love to hear what you want to hear from us. So email us at feedback at readyornotpodcast.com. And we'll see you next time. Right here on On Ready Ready or or Not. Not. This podcast is brought to you by Forever Ready Productions, produced by me, Lauren Reedy, with graphic design by Brody Kuhar. We'll see you next time.